the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Michelle Tofoya Show. We're glad you're here. Please subscribe. You don't want to miss today's interview or any of ours, for that matter, any of the shows. Uh, Today is a guy who's really hard to describe or define in one word. So let me just tell you this. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's a thought leader. He's a poet, a rapper, a musician, and a really, really smart, talented person. Zuby is next. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya podcast. All right. Welcome, everyone. I'm excited for you to hear this conversation that's coming up with Zuby. Some people, I, I mentioned the name Zuby and they know exactly who I'm talking about. Those who don't know who I'm talking about, they find out and they realize they want to hear more and more from this guy. And he's not a guy that's out there trying to change your opinion or trying to influence how you see the world. He just does it through this confident approach that he has to life that I'd love a tablespoon of. I'd just mix it right into my coffee and drink it every morning and walk around with the peace of mind that he has. And, and he's really cool. It's just, I, I, I don't want to oversell, but I really do want you to stay tuned to listen to Zuby. So here first, I want to give you a great idea for Mother's Day from our friends at Genucel. If you want to celebrate your favorite mom with a great gift, Genucel Skincare has you covered. It is formulated with skin nourishing antioxidants and powerful peptides in a proprietary base that's made and manufactured right here in the USA. And I use it and I love it. And every mom would love it. It helps you look fresher, younger, more radiant. It's really incredible. It's formulated by a pharmacist, quality ingredients, and their products are sure to noticeably smooth out fine lines and wrinkles while preventing new ones from coming. And my favorite is the deep firming serum with stem cell technology. Yeah, this stuff is high tech. I apply it after I've cleansed my face and immediately I just look more energized. It's it's crazy and it's crazy good. And right now you can save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package. It features Genucel's Ultra Retinol that contains a powerful retinol alternative, safe on pregnancies, safe for breastfeeding. You'll also receive Genucel's Dark Spot Corrector to reduce the appearance of dark dark marks and sunspots from those long summer days outside. Plus, you'll still get Genucel's classic under-eye bags therapy for those annoying under-eye bags and puffiness. And with its immediate effects, see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. So what do you have to lose? And don't wait. Let's celebrate your favorite mom by going to genucel.com slash Michelle, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle. Save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus every package includes a luxury gift box with three free springtime essentials, three free gifts, plus free concierge shipping for a limited time. Go to genucel.com slash Michelle, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Happy Mother's Day. Zuby, welcome back. It's good to see you, man. 
Always a pleasure, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And and I always love, and I've told everyone, you're a great follow on Twitter. You're just, you're interesting and you raise a lot of questions and you're not afraid of any question. And you've kind of been on this recent here in the last several hours. I'm going to get real timely here with this idea of divorce being so prevalent. It's certainly prevalent here in the States. Um, is it, is it as, pre- is this a worldwide thing we're dealing with? You think this the divorce being so accessible and so accepted and just sort of like, yeah, this, it is what it is. Mm, like, like many things, I think it's a, it's a problem that is worse in many parts of the Western world, but it is contagious and that's spreading out to other parts of the world. Um, there are nations, you know, the USA does not have the highest divorce rate in the world, uh, nor does the UK. Um, I think there's some European countries that would take that horrible crown, but it's more of a Western problem than it is, um, you know, than it is a global one. There's still many countries in the world that have a divorce rate well under 10%. I think India is 1%. Um, many parts, yeah, many parts of Africa, the Middle East, um, other parts of Asia, even where, you know, it's, um, it's a much, much lower number. You know, it's multiple, multiple times higher, um, in the UK, the USA, Canada, Australia, countries like that, um, as well as some of the Western European countries. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a massive shame. It's a big concern. And I think it's a massive concern that people only want to talk about superficially. Um, I, I think especially on the more conservative aisle of the spectrum, of course, there's so much talk about marriage and having children and family values. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of talk about all that and the importance and the recognition of all the problems that happen from, broken families and, you know, kids growing up without their fathers. All these things are like kind of basic, you know, conservative talking points almost. But I'm not seeing a lot of people saying, okay, what's what's going on here? What's going on here with the incentive structure? Why are so many young men in particular, but also young men, young women, why is this? We, we can see all these positives. We all know that, um, you know, a, a married children growing up in a married stable home, that's the best thing for children. But why are increasing numbers of young people checking out of this or thinking that it's not important or that it's going to fail and so on? And I think some of the answers are very, very obvious, but I think it makes people uncomfortable. I think it's quite an uncomfortable conversation. There's some of those conversations just talking about it, you know, kind of makes people keep people feel like that. But I think if you want to reverse the trend, because you you can the, the trend is not good. Um, so if you want to reverse the trend, you have to be, you have to be willing to talk about it and sort of put ideology to the side and think, okay, what's going on? What's changed? What's happened? Let's, let's look at the situation here. I think some people just equate divorce with two people really unhappy in their situation. And so why shouldn't they be allowed to dissolve that situation, go on their merry ways? I I can tell you that yeah, look, I've been married for 23 years. Um, we've been through a lot with not being able to have kids, finally having one, then adopting another one. All of these very painful issues that I, if you haven't been through it, you don't know how painful it is. Um, many, many other issues I'm not going to reveal on a podcast, but we were always committed to this partnership, to this. It, it almost feels like a, in some ways, like this little small enterprise that you have and raising your kids and doing things the right way. I know plenty of people who've gotten divorced and it's always sad. And some of it is, 
yeah, it, it should happen. But I, mm-hmm. you're right, though. It, it's it's um. What do you think? What do you think is the biggest downside to divorce? Because some people go, well, look, it, it just has to happen. It's, it's these two yes. people aren't happy. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I think the the obvious biggest downside is the impact it has on children. That's the biggest downside. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Michelle. I think that what what is uh, completely missing from the social cultural conversation is I think we need a I think we need a children's rights movement. <laughs> I think that so much stuff that we talk about it's all viewed through the lens of the individual and the adults in question. It's all about um, well, you know, I have a right to do this. It's about my happiness. It's about me, 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 my rights, my rights, my rights. But it's never about their responsibilities towards other people, right? I mean, if there's children involved in the situation, they're the ones. Who are going to bear the brunt of it and that doesn't just impact them that then has an impact on the wider society it yeah. has an impact on their potential children right it has an even impact an impact on their possibility of finding someone to marry because again if people are looking at certain criteria people would generally prefer to people who grew up in a in a stable family so mm-hmm. even though it's no fault of their own if someone's parents divorced there could be someone who's even interested and is like oh that's a maybe a little bit of a yellow flag because they're concerned that, you know, maybe they're going to propagate that cycle or they haven't seen an example of a healthy marriage. So what are the chances that? So so there's a lot of splash damage. There's a lot of collateral damage that I think people don't people don't consider. I think people just think it's um, it's very individualistic. We have this very atomized society in the USA more than anywhere else. You know, the USA is the most individualistic society in the world. And that has some upsides, um, but it also has a lot of a lot of downsides. It doesn't just manifest here, but we can see all the excesses of, um, you know, extreme expressive individualism where, you know, what you feel is everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it Trump, yeah. it trumps, it trumps reality. It trumps effects on other people. It trumps everything. As long as it's you, your rights and your feelings, then that's all that matters. So I think that's what leads to that mentality of just like, okay, well, if you're not happy, you know, if you're not happy, go. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear, you know, about your about your marriage. That's amazing. Um, but what's sad is what you described used to be the norm, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. now it's, it's now it's now an, it's now the exception. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so many people in any of those situations where they just be, oh, OK, well, you know, just throw in the towel. OK, we're having some problems. It's a bit rough. Yeah. You know, let, yeah. Let, let, let's call it quits. The romance has taken a dip, maybe, you know, and they just immediately, it's like it's a disposable. We live in a very disposable society. You know, you can just replace yeah. a T-shirt with another one and it, everything's so convenient and so easy. Uh, but there isn't an app for marriage. It takes actual work. One of the things you said that it, that 
leads me down another avenue is this idea of um, children and mm. individual happiness. And I, I heard, I think it was Chuck Todd talking to Vivek Ramaswamy, a, a presidential candidate, and saying, why shouldn't a parent be allowed to have options to make their children happy, meaning, you know, gender affirming care. And I'm thinking to myself, if we just let the children dictate what's going to make them happy, they will eat sugar all day long. They won't go to school. They'll play video games all day and they'll be complete and utter brats. So the adults in the room need to make some of these decisions that are not for the immediate happiness of a child who, by the way, doesn't have a fully you know, developed brain, doesn't really know what true happiness is all about, and can continue to be sustained by maybe some other counseling or non you know, not medicinal therapy while they're going through this gender dysphoria. So this notion of the only way to make a kid happy in that instance is this option of gender affirming care, which I think is nuts. Um, but yeah. this is this is another symptom of of this. Everyone's got to be happy right now. Yeah, it, it's utterly insane. And it's especially insane because even 10 years ago, even the most progressive person, the most you know liberal, the most lefty person was was not advocating for any of this. This is how quickly yeah. things have changed in our societies. And, you know, I've made this point before that we're living in this funny stage where we're often treating adults like children and treating children like adults. Yes. Right. There's this there's this strange inversion going on. So you're saying, OK, well, you know, a 12 year old is or even a seven year old in some cases, a four year old is, you know, has the mental faculties and whatever to make these massive decisions that are going to affect them potentially for the course of their life, have permanent changes and so on. Um, and then when it comes to adults, you've got, you know, safe spaces and trigger warnings and we need to censor everything because everyone's sensitive and, you know, we can't offend anyone. And it's just like, you know, why the, the adults are not, I mean, people literally complain about adulting. Adulting is now a, a term that people complain yeah. about, yeah. right? So you have people who are in their thirties or even in their forties and they're talking about how difficult it is adulting. And, you know, it's uh it's pathetic quite frankly and there are <laughs> and there are, there are there are many reasons why um you know there's been this sort of delayed onset of adulthood um funnily enough i think a big part of it is actually family formation because in the past people did get married and have children a lot younger because there weren't so many options um and you know i'm not a i'm not a father yet myself but it forces people to grow up early but i know i'm self aware enough and i know enough about the world to know that had I been born, let's say, 30 years earlier than I was, let alone 50 years earlier than I was, by the age I'm at, I would absolutely be settled down and have multiple children by now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because the option that even I've taken was not would, would not have been feasible, right? It, it, it didn't make sense at the time. So depending on pe how people react to and respond to that increased freedom and increased optionality... Um, you know, it, it has, a, again, it has a lot of downstream consequences, which I think we, we tend to think of the, the short term individual yes. immediate impact, but we're not really thinking, okay, what does that mean? If, if, if the average age of marriage used to be say 20 and it's now, uh, you know, 30, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, trending towards mid thirties in some places, um, you know, what, what are the consequences of that? Right. Um, there's fertility problems, which yep. again, people, 
people don't like to talk about, right? So a lot of women are, you know, waiting until they're, you know, mid to late 30s, sometimes even 40s to even attempt to have children. And instead of just kind of telling people the obvious answer, which is, look, if you're if you're a woman, like, you know, you should strongly consider starting this whole thing earlier because that's your fertility window. Um, you might think it's not fair, but, you know, biology is not fair, whatever, but this is just the reality. But instead, it's like, OK, you know, it's it's egg freezing. It's like using yeah. technology to do this and this and this. And it's like, you know, there might be some situations where some of those interventions are, are necessary or good. But it shouldn't be the the default. I think you're I think you're doing a lot of damage, actually, to an entire generation of women if you're kind of just putting them on the exact same timeline as the men that they're now supposed to compete with. Um, and you're not telling them the truth and you're just saying, you know, just wait until you're 35 plus and you'll be totally fine. And also, yeah. you'll just, you know, the, the man of your dreams is just going to sit around waiting for you. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of lies that are told to young men and told to young women. Some of them are the same. Some of them are different. But um, I think they're having some real consequences. And it, it's so new that, um, yeah, the, these these are very new problems we're dealing with. They They are. And that was my situation. Exactly. Now, would I change anything if I could go back and change it? I don't know. Um, because I did wait until very late and mm. my doctor sat me down and he said, let's look at some numbers, shall we? Let's look at statistics. Oh, wow. This is what happens mm. after you turn 37. The, your, your fertility rate goes zoom. I mean, it's like a yes. downhill slide. That's science folks. For those mm. who love the religion of science, you know, that is, yeah. those are facts. That's what happened. And that's where we were stuck. And fortunately, uh, one, one, one worked out for us. Um, and we're so glad grateful. to hear yeah, we're so grateful yeah. we were able to adopt the other. She has been just the, a light of our life. But all of this is, you talk too about, um, you know, avoiding pain and, at, mm. and the political correctness out there. I got an email the other day, one of these business emails generated from a place called Susie Cakes out in LA that I ordered cookies from once. All right, so Susie Cakes sends me an email that says, we understand that Mother's and Father's Day can be triggering for some, and it can be very painful to get an email promoting Mother's Day and Father's If you'd like to opt out of our Mother's Day promotional emails, click here. So I clicked, and there was a comment section. I said, I'm, I'm declining to be on your email list because you think I'm that soft and that stupid, and I, I, I don't want to do business with you anymore. Sorry. And I yeah. hit send. I mean, this is... This is part of that being afraid to adult. You can't face up to the the idea that some people like to celebrate Mother's Day. Where are we going? Yeah, I call this the obsession with exceptions, right? I think Western society, we're always trying to sugarcoat things and walk on eggshells because of exceptions, right? If I bring up a general point, if I say that men are taller than women, someone wants to be like, well, actually, I have a, my sister is six foot three, you know, and it's like, I'm aware that exceptions exist to everything, yeah. right? You know, are there are there are there women who can have a um, healthy pregnancy and child at 45? Yes, there are. But if you but if you sell that as the norm, yeah, what you're going to do is you're 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 lying and you're going to ultimately create a lot of problems for a lot of people. Whereas if you just again, if if you if the thing is about freedom and liberty, it's like give people the information. Yeah. Right. Give people give people the information. Right. So what you just described that, you know, this the situation you had with your doctor. Right. That should be everyone should know that. 
Yeah. Every young woman, every young man should just know, okay, look, this is the this is the reality of it as you get old. Because let's be real, you know, when you're 20, even when you're 25, people are not, most people are not thinking, people don't, you know, we, we don't tend to think that far ahead, right. right? So you might be, you might be 20 years old and just be thinking, okay, cool, like whatever, you know, this is my timeline, whatever, no problem. And then you're not thinking, okay, what about when I'm 35 or when I'm 40 or whatever? Um even when it comes to the concept of having children itself, right? People often will think, um, you know, I, I find a lot of people only think about the first half of their life. And this is something that made me like very rock solid about the fact that I will absolutely have a family. Because even when I was in my early 20s, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just be a bachelor for life and, you know, just hoard my money or whatever. Um, but it's like, OK, that that might that might be cool up until maybe 40. Yeah. As a man, especially or maybe maybe 40, 45. And then it's like, OK, well, what are you going to do from 45 to 90? Yeah. Right. OK, you've, you've got money and you've got money in the bank. You've got a successful career and you're just you're just solo. You have no you have no offspring. You have no you know, you're, you're not going to have grandchildren. You're not going to you know, it's so I don't know. I just wish these conversations would have more happen more openly and honestly. And people can kind of just put all the cards on the table and understand everything. And then people can make informed decisions. Right. right? And there will right. there will be exceptions. There will absolutely be people who are like, you know what? I don't even want to have kids. But the reality is the vast majority of human beings on planet Earth, both men and women, want do want to have children. Yeah. Right. We're animals. People do vast majority. I, I think over 90 percent of people would like to ideally have children. Um, and so. The the 10 percent that don't, should they be forced to? No, I don't think people should be. You know, no. But we shouldn't act like that 10 percent is the 90 percent. Right. Right. Which is, kind of, right. which is kind of how it which is kind of how everything is do, we're doing. We're always taking the exception and going, oh, well, what about this exception? What about that exception? Well, that, and it's like, well, it, okay. the, that's a great term. The it, it, did you say exception obsession or oh, obsession with exception? Either one. Either one. OK, because here, here's the other. You know, this is interesting, too. I, I don't know. I, I, all these different thoughts are coming to my mind. But you, you touched on something earlier about women and wanting men to everyone to be so much more equal. So there's this idea of an, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, an, an ecto uterus or something. Basically what it is, is this idea that you can create a, a lamb inside a plastic bag. I'm, I'm going to simplify this as much as I can because I'm not a doctor. Uh, but when this idea was brought up to some young women that there may be a time in the future where you don't have to carry the baby in your belly, in your womb, mm -hmm. you can have this ecto womb and, you know, the baby can develop from your eggs and his sperm and develop in this little bag in under doctor's care. And, you know, you don't have to deliver. And some of these young women were like, yes, then we'd finally be equal. And I'm thinking, is that what it comes down to? And by the way, Carrying a baby was one of the most magnificent experiences of my life. And, and just to think that because men don't have to, I think men don't get to, and that's a bummer for them, but that's life. Um, but this idea that in order to be equal, we have to be almost exactly the same biologically. This is nuts to me. Mm -hmm. It's also transhumanism as well, right? Because, you know, when it comes to these things, I, I often think, because conversations can, you know, they can they can drift off and some of the things we talk about in society and culture and politics. I often like to just come back to a simple question. And this is, what is the problem we're trying to fix? Yeah. Right. So when you're talking about all of this stuff or people going off all these ideas, I'm like, OK, OK, cool. But 
what is the problem yeah. that we're actually trying to address? And oftentimes there isn't one, right? Like yeah. the fact that men, yeah. the fact that men cannot get pregnant or breastfeed has, that's never been a problem in human history, <laughs> right? The fact, like it's, it's literally never been a problem, right? Cause they're trying to do like uterus transplants and like this, all this weird, crazy stuff, right? Um, or what you're describing, it's like, okay, well, what is, what's the real problem you're trying to re- resolve, right? And I'd also say that there's something, there's something at a deeper level that's going on here, which is that you're actually trying to force women into the male framing, yeah, right? And this is one of my biggest beefs. A lot of people don't understand why, why I don't like feminism. There's many reasons, but one of my biggest beefs actually is I think that it, I think that it massively suppresses and plays down actual femininity and the uniqueness and how special women actually are Mm -hmm. and instead it's saying like no you need to compete directly head to head with men you need to be more like men right you need to act like men we need to make your bodies function like men we need your attitude to be more like men we need you to compete with it's actually all shifting it's funny because on one hand they beat down masculinity in men yeah they encourage but then they encourage masculinity in the women so that you can go out and compete with men. And to me, it's very backward because, you know, the, the best thing about women to me is that they're not men, <laughs> right? Like that's to, to any straight man, like the, the whole appeal is like, you don't want a woman, just, women to just be like exactly the same, just like yeah. women are not exactly, women are not exactly turned on by men who are like women. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably the the most off-putting thing a man can probably be is very feminine. Um, and again, it's like, it's fine. Like we've, we're a sexually dimorphic species. We've literally got 50, 50 split. It's supposed to be like that. It takes both to create new life yeah. and that's fine. We have our strengths. We have our weaknesses. We have our capabilities. We have our things that, you know, there's things that women can do that. I literally, I literally cannot do right. right. No, can never will be able to cannot even like, no, it's not possible. Can't even conceive it. Pardon yeah. the pun, but you know, metaphor, <laughs> double entendre, right? Um, and and vice versa. There's things that men can do that, like women, just never, women are never, never going to be able to do that thing, and that's fine. It's not a problem that you need to fix, quote unquote. Yeah, it's exactly. just like cool. Let, let let's cooperate. We come together. Both of these exist. You know, again, people have the freedom and liberty to make their choices and go into what career they want and do this and this, and as it, as it should be. But you also have to recognize that because men and women are different, don't expect 50-50 representation in everything at all levels, because that's a ludicrous expectation. Sometimes, Zuby, I can't open a jar in the house because I'm not strong enough in my wrist. So I hand it to my son or my husband because I know they'll get the job done. Is that is that sexist? Is that saying I'm not (laughs) capable? Is that saying that, oh, I have to turn to a man to open the jar of spaghetti sauce? I mean, what what and and the the other one that drives me nuts is when I see um the the t shirt, the future is feminine. I'm not Mm. even sure what that's supposed to mean. Like, you know, um our friends up in Canada are are wearing that a lot, I've noticed. And and I, I, I I'm not even sure what it's supposed to mean like the future is feminine what does that I, mean to you is it, it, it it's the future is female right it, well it's both the i've, I've seen. seen the future oh, okay. is female and the future is feminine oh, okay. yeah okay i have only I've seen, seen the future is female oh okay interesting yeah I, I haven't seen i haven't seen one of those shirts for a few years i actually had a tweet go viral a couple of weeks ago and i said it took less than 10 years to go from the future is female to what is a woman yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, right. I mean, it, it is. The, these are crazy times and I'm a little nervous about them. Is there anything that gives you hope in the future that makes you think yeah. we could go in a smarter, wiser, I should say wiser direction? Yeah, absolutely. They, I, I'm, it's funny, despite being hyper aware of a lot of this stuff and spending a lot of time thinking about it, I'm still an eternal optimist. I'm a very, very optimistic person. I'm just very aware of the reality and where society is trending. And I do my best to. The reason I even bring up these discussions and conversations is because to remedy something or at least attempt to remedy it, you have to be you have to diagnose it first and you have to talk about it. If there's a problem going on, it doesn't matter what the problem is and you refuse to talk about it openly and honestly, then it's literally impossible to resolve, right? If we can't talk about what we've been discussing, if we can't talk about rising obesity levels, if we can't talk about the fact that the U.S. life expectancy is starting to drop, if we can't talk about, you know, whatever the issue is, then there's never going to be any any resolution. Right. So I think something that gives me optimism is, number one, just existing in the real world and knowing that whatever city I go to, whatever country I'm in, most people are sane and do their best to be decent, right? Okay. So, yeah. you know, Twitter and social media, all that, it can it can skew your perception. Yes, it can. Just how crazy stuff is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. At the same time, I think what really needs to happen is I think that all sane people, regardless of where they sit on the political spectrum, regardless of their ideologies or lack thereof, however they vote, whatever it is, I think more sane people just need to speak up. I think that's what we need. Um, yeah. I think... You know, people who have these concerns that they're kind of burying in their head or they're seeing this going on and they're not sure what to do about it. They're hearing about this going on in their kid's school. They're worried about this, worried about that. People need to speak up and have the conversations. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're going to be they're going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes people are going to get triggered or, you know, call you a name or whatever. But if we if we could at least bring bring the conversation out there, then, you know, we can at least get on the path. To finding some to finding some solutions because at the moment it seems like we're just trying to like just kind of bury everything or you know cover up the eyes and act like none of it is none of it is happening and um it is happening and there's there are many positive trends that are going on in the world and in our respective countries but there are also very concerning ones mm -hmm. right it's like we're we're moving we're moving forward and backward simultaneously yeah so i think we want to maintain the forward movement on the things that are genuinely getting better, right? You know, there's far less poverty than there is before. Up until very recently, life expectancy has been trending upward for decades and centuries. Uh, technological and scientific progress is improving. People are genuinely more um, socially tolerant and accepting of people of different races and ethnicities and religions, all that stuff than, you know, if you were to go back 100 years ago. There's been a lot of positive trends that are going on. At the same time, um, you know, the breakdown of family is a massive problem. Mental health getting worse is a massive problem. Drug overdoses is a massive problem. Um, more people abusing substances, alcohol, uh, physical health, obesity rates rising. You know, obesity in the USA used to be under 5%. Now it's 40 something percent. Good God. Right? The, and that's just obesity. I mean, the, um, if you, if it's overweight and obese combined, it's over, over 70%. So fewer, Fewer than 30% of Americans are at a healthy body weight, and it's and it's still trending in that direction. So yeah. that's a problem. And the answer isn't just fat acceptance or body positivity right. or healthy at right. any size, right? It's not it's not lying to people. 
the the answer is okay like we need let's talk about this like what is what's going on like i think we all know the individualistic solutions right i've written books on the subject um but on a wider level on a national level you know are there some things that can be done for example in the usa you know big pharma has a lot of power but also um there are many foods you know the actual food supply in the usa is very different to the food supply in Europe or the food supply in Australia. There's things that are put in the food there that are illegal in UK and Europe, right? Um, advertising of prescription medication direct to consumer, it's only legal in two countries in the world, the USA and New Zealand. Everywhere else, that's not even legal, right? And I think a wow. lot of Americans aren't even aware of some of this stuff. So there are actual things that could happen at scale that would make a difference, right, to help get people off of some of these drugs and just make the food supply in general healthier. And then, of course, you've got the message of personal responsibility, diet, exercise, looking after your body, all that stuff I always preach. Um, and But yeah, you, you have to have the conversation. But I think, look, human beings have been through, if you look at history, we've been through far worse things. Um, many of these problems we have are problems of excess rather than problems of lack, right. which is new. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think in the long term, I think in the long term, we're going to work it out <laughs> from, you know, I, I that gives me some hope uh, that gives me some faith. Um, what in addition to following you on Twitter, I know you've got the podcast people can can listen to Real Talk with Zuby. Uh, they can follow you at Zuby Music. If you what's the book that you're most you'd like more more people to read? The book of mine? Yeah. Oh, um, my, my fitness book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. Or if you're a parent and you're listening and you want to have a cool story with a positive message for your children, um, I've got my children's book. It's called The Candy Calamity. It's available at candycalamity.com. So, yeah, those are my two books. Strong Advice, that's the one for grownups. Candy Calamity for children. So, yeah, check those out. They're both about health, fitness, and the importance of taking care of your body. Yeah, it is important. And it's not just about beauty. This is about health. This is about maybe, maybe I, when you talk about obesity rates and overweight and you talk about life expectancy on the decline, they've, they've got to be intertwined. They absolutely must be intertwined. And um, this isn't not accepting people for who they are. It's wanting people and loving people enough to want them to be healthy. Uh, so we we keep lowering the bar in many instances mm. instead of just raising the standard and saying, this is good for you. This is, this is yes. real health. You know, uh, I always get so much out of talking to you. I just so appreciate your time and love that you're willing to come on. And it, again, real talk with Zuby is the podcast. You heard the books there. He's a great follow on Twitter, which is why he's got over a million followers. And it's always an honor, sir. Um, all the best to you and your ventures and we'll keep following you. Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate it. This has been the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Thanks for listening as always be freaking brave and do freaking good. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.